Welcome to the Six Hats podcast, where I, Dr. Shami, a lifestyle and nutritional medicine family doctor, will talk about how women strive to find balance each day by juggling their six roles, being a woman, mother, daughter, partner, business owner, and professional. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Six Hats podcast. And I'm excited to have Natalie West back with us today. Now she was, I think, on the first season of Six Hats and then got such an amazing response from my listeners. So I had to bring her back. So Natalie, welcome back. Ah, thanks, Shamine. Thank you. And so much for your listeners as well. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. So Natalie, we always talk about, you know, what do we see? patients and how we can help them and one topic that always comes up is alcohol Mm. and recently I've been having this conversation with a lot more female patients and that's always harder to sort of sometimes bring up maybe not hard it's a journey so it might not come up in the first consult maybe several consults later and often I find they bring it up themselves when they're ready and there's a lot of guilt embarrassment surrounding that but I want to take several several steps back and let's talk about the story of alcohol let's go from the beginning you know what why do some people turn to alcohol and not others what are the tiny steps that leads to that drinking problem yeah great it's one of those things that culturally it's so accepted right sadly and if I really kind of take listeners back a little bit around how we learn through our senses and what we we view growing up as kids so you would have probably heard me talk about that really critical point between zero to seven years of age and our environment has a lot to do with really what we see and how alcohol is actually used So, you know, if you've grown up in a family where, you know, you've got kind of, I guess, would be healthy control of alcohol. So that may be one a week, maybe one a month. It really depends. It's, you know, a very kind of very big picture to look at. However, the fundamentals are pretty much the same around how we learn to use it to either numb ourselves, to de-stress ourselves as a cultural acceptance that, you know, drinking every now and again is okay, but there's got to be a level of control around the person's personality. A1 type personalities tend to be very, very different in that category. But if I'm talking about a pretty big measure of society, it really just comes back to the fact that alcohol is one used in the environment, which we see that that's normal. And then that becomes very familiar to the person of using it to escape, to feel better in inverted commas, because ultimately it doesn't make you feel better. Secondly, also to sometimes to actually perform better. It's quite funny how the alcohol ingestion can make people really behave, think, feel in different ways. The other part of that is also the connection between external value and internal value. So unfortunately, alcohol has been used externally as a higher value to make someone feel a certain way without them actually having the tools and the strategies, how to make themselves feel better within their own value instead of anchoring alcohol outside of themselves. So it's actually really at a root cause, it's programming and it's value structures that we learn by giving away our power and our value to that source, which ultimately then controls us. Oh, wow. It's so true. Because I reflect back and it's really interesting going through, you know, just entering med school and how alcohol is, wow, you know, drinking is a massive issue at med school, just from the high intensity, the stress levels. But what you were saying is so true in the environment, how we've normalized that, like Mm. getting drunk on a Saturday night, Friday night, normalized, 
almost you are excluded if you didn't do that or 100% on the pack if you didn't drink at all. Yeah, it's very culturally group programming. So, you know, it's really the only thing in the world where when you don't drink, people feel like they have to justify themselves as to why they're not doing it. Because, you know, at the end of the day, when someone's had a very big problem with alcohol, because again, the value is in the external, not the internal then when you go into an environment where it's so accepted and so easily anyone can go get it anywhere, right? But putting your mental and metabolic health first, again, has to be a value structure. So when you're in a group and you're saying, no, thank you, I don't drink, that then causes generally huge reactions in other people because the thing is I hear a lot, oh, if I don't drink, I'm not fun. (laughs) Or other people perceive you as, they're not a fun person if they don't drink, which is terrible because, again, the value and the worth in that person should not come from an external value of alcohol. I can't believe you told that story because it's really hit home for me. Because when I finished med school, then I did my house jobs or internship in the UK, I decided to spend one year in New Zealand first. And when I arrived, I didn't know anyone. And I entered this house with housemates, all doctors. And I remember arriving in the evening and they were like, Shami, would you like a drink? And I go, no, I, I wouldn't like one. Yeah. Interestingly, they judged me from that night. There you go. They judged me as not fun. Yeah. But all I was, I didn't want to drink that night. I'm just arrived. I'm tired. I did not need it. But they made a judgment of me. And it was really interesting. There was one, one of the housemates, like later on, like a year later, goes, sorry for judging you. <laughs> yeah. It was really interesting. And you are so right. It's so easily judged. Even now, no matter how old you are, when you go out for dinner, when someone's drinking alcohol, come on, you can join us. Let's get a bottle. Let's share it. And it takes a lot of courage to sit back and go, no, I'm not drinking tonight. Correct. And also too, I think the, unfortunately, the narrative in this space is, you know, when I work with people who have, I'm talking daily problems. And they know it's a problem and it's literally starting to, well, one, impact their body, but two, their job, their family, their relationship. So when it starts to seep into that, the whole value of alcohol takes over. And what we've got to do is start allowing people to understand that the narrative behind, you know, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic, I'm going to call on that. And it's absolute the most horrendous thing that you can say to someone. And the reason why is because of that identity and the way that our minds work with narrative, words, energy behind that. And then that basically labels someone for the rest of their life that, you know, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. I'll always say, you know what, when someone's a smoker for 30 years and then someone gives up smoking, are they a smoker for the rest of their life? No, they're not. They're a non-smoker. Yeah, you're not labeled with once a smoker, always a smoker. So why do we then allow such, you know, heavy views on a person that's literally like, no, I need to understand why I'm using this value externally for me and how to heal myself without the context of the label? Because there's nothing in the world where it's like if you're addicted to sugar or you're addicted to carbohydrates, it's not like, you know, once you're a carb-addicted person, you're carb-addicted forever. No, you just don't eat them anymore. So it's the same thing with drinking. It's, It's literally about allowing people to go inward, to raise their value, 
to literally develop the relationship with self and self-image is one of the most powerful things that we need to learn. So it's like you just said, Shami, when you're in a room or you're going out for dinner and someone says, would you like a drink? You say, no, thank you. Or no, I'm not drinking tonight. Or no, that's it. No is a complete sentence. You do not have to justify why you're not doing it. And what would you say if they go, come on, someone? What I help my clients do is I just allow them to say wherever they're comfortable in their boundary and just to say, no, thank you. It actually makes me feel depressed. So I'm actually not choosing to do that. Or no, it actually gives me anxiety. Or no, it actually makes me feel bad. It makes me feel sleepy. And I actually don't like losing time. So that's the other thing. It's really powerful when people understand it takes away your time. So when you drink and then you're not strong in your values and your boundaries and you're doing it because you feel like you want to fit in, the next morning when you wake up, your whole time is taken away from you because then we have a hangover. So true. And you can't get that time back. It's gone. We're going to go back into self-image, but before we do that, I'm really curious to hear about stories of how drinking too much alcohol is actually affecting people's lives. And I sometimes when you hear these stories, it can make an impact. Yeah. Well, a lot of the stories that I hear from my own clients is literally it starts with family, alcoholic, father, mother, whatever it may be. But then they learn it as a very early escape mechanism from things that may be quite tough in their life. Again, if we say to ourselves, well, I'm stressed, and then we see someone drinking, then we anchor that association. So it's about teaching people with associations. So it's emotional associations with then understanding, well, what value have I learned from this to be able to then escape from my life? Because really, honestly, no one wants to escape from their life. (laughs) Let's be honest. It's just about giving you the tools and the strategies to understand why. So when I'm talking, you know, daily drinking, it literally allows someone to then, you know, they get up, they go to work and they already, their mind is in the end of the day going, oh, I've got my wine at home, or I'm going to go drive through the bottle on the way home. It's automatic unconscious association. So then what happens is like, even through the day, you're already, you already have this feeling of what it's going to feel like once you get home. And the minute you have a drink, the automatic response in the body is to sigh and go, oh, okay, now it's Okay. That's an anchor every single time you do it. Because what happens then, how do you then re-anchor yourself without that external alcohol or that external glass? You have to recreate new associations with new patterns and new framing. So with doing that, what it does, it then allows you, well, you don't concentrate at night. You don't sleep very well at night. You think you do, but you don't because there's this association where we think, well, I'm relaxed if I'm drinking for about 20 minutes and then you need more, then you need more, but then you'll go to sleep and your body is releasing all of the toxins. So there's no other way to put this. Alcohol is a toxin. It's that simple. And anyone that's kind of, you know, under the guise that, you know, red wine once a day, because it's, you know, the company said that it's okay for your heart, got to dig a bit deeper and find out who's paid for that. (laughs) Right. So we've really got to understand the emotional connection, the attachment to why, but again, it really just flows onto every area. It's, it's business, it's relationships. One, as you'll hear me say a lot, it's the one with you. 
that's going to get damaged the most, which then is going to seep out into the rest of your life. But also too, if you've got a very negative self-image, using an anchor such as alcohol also feeds that value. So it actually embeds more the story that you're not good enough or that you can't actually escape from it. So true, because I just recently had a patient and, you know, I always ask about stresses and one of them was her husband was an alcoholic for 10 years mm. and it was an incredible amount of stress. They lost all their money and they had to restart again and, you know, they're doing okay at the moment. And so it does, it starts from relationships. You're so right. And then that has an overflow on finances, on career, on metabolic everything metabolic you know and and really it comes back to the root cause of mental and metabolic health in in understanding both the psychological part of the the mental part of learning why we've learned to use alcohol this way but then also to the metabolic part of it that you know i see so many clients of mine that end up pre-diabetic because of it's just pure sugar and it just creates that huge insulin rush so on top of most people's dietary requirements that they're eating, as we know, it's very sugary, it's very carb-based. Then you put alcohol on top of that, it's still going through the same mechanism. So I see a lot of people that we, when we talk about craving, so we go through the understanding of what cravings are. And what I find is when you've got a very high sugar-based carbohydrate diet, that then also exacerbates the cravings with alcohol because it's just sugar alongside the psychological component. But let's talk about, we take out the sugar, we take out the stuff that's actually creating those cravings from the sugar responses. Then the cravings of the alcohol start to dissipate. They actually start to lessen because also the psychological part of letting go of that, but the physiological part of getting the body into a ketosis state, I see huge amounts of shifts. Wow. It's it's amazing what actually happens. And this is something that you encourage in your clients. I do. I really do. And it works. Like I've got a client right now. She's over 300 days sober. And this was a daily exercise for her where she would be drinking and she knew she was getting herself into not a good space. And, you know, when she came to see me, I said to her, well, we're going to talk about diet to start getting your body into a different state. And she's like, no one's ever spoke to me about that, about getting off alcohol. And For her, it was literally between the first to the fourth week mark where she rang me and she said, I'm not craving anything. And she said, I have no desire. She said, in my head, I can recall the association, the desire, but in my body, she said, it's just gone. That's incredible because, you know, when we're talking about coming off alcohol, detoxing, hardly talk about nutrition and you know when you do go and see your local gp they're talking about meds correct yeah to make you feel sick and and and, you know that also exacerbates then well if if i'm taking the meds to make to stop me from drinking but we're not dealing with the root cause of the association of negative self-image value systems in externalized you know as alcohol as an anchor it's alcohol if i look at it from an external anchor so most people will kind of get this picture whether it's sugar, carbohydrates, drugs, or alcohol, they all are the same thing. They are all external values, which you've learned to anchor your emotions and your feelings in and your self-image. This is a great time to sort of now look at changing the habit because as quite rightly you said about values, but something that we don't really look into, I'd love for you to 
talk more about the value system and how is that a game changer? It, it is a game changer. It's, it's a good word. So everyone understands what the word value is, but most of the time when we're talking about them, our minds will travel externally. So for example, we've got career values, we've got family values, we've even got relationship values, right? So whenever you go through your value list, it's pretty easy to come up with what you believe your values are in those areas in your life. However, the ones that I'm talking about is, is going internally and saying, well, hold on. If you're even with the word relationship, if you think about that right now, 95% of people's minds will go outside of themselves because they'll see the word relationship and the value is outside. So that was be say, I value kindness, honesty, transparency, you know, love, for example. Now, if I ask someone to internalize those, for example, if kindness is one and I say to people, okay, so tell me what kindness looks like, sounds like, feels like for you. And how do you treat yourself kind? How do you communicate with yourself in a kind way? There's lots of blank looks and it's like, well, I just don't. And I'm like, correct, because your value is outside of yourself. Mm, we've externalized it. We learn that, Jamie. So we actually learn as children that our values are through the eyes and the views of other people, mm. thoughts, feelings, reactions to others. So, you know, love others. That's an absolute true thing. But, res you know, it's respect is another one. You know, respect your elders, respect people outside of yourself. But hold on, how are we taught to respect ourselves? What does that look like? And the root cause to all of the work that I do and all the shifts that I see in my clients is nutrition, understanding the power of what ketosis does in your body, especially when it comes to alcohol and value. It's mm -hmm. internal value structures. You get that right and you get that in a programmed and new association, then your values are then driving your attitude, they're driving your behavior, and then they're also driving your boundaries. So what I find with people when I see them implementing their value structures and then they would go out somewhere where they normally would be in fear of like, oh, my gosh, even before I leave, I've got to kind of work out what I'm going to say to someone. That doesn't happen anymore. They just sit there and they're like, no, I want the mineral water or I want an apple juice or whatever it may be. Yes. They don't justify. True. When I reflect and I was just thinking about in the last couple of weeks, how a lot of our decisions are based on others. And yes. it's actually not like exactly what you said, not our internal value system, external. What's my mom going to think? Yes. What's my friend going to think? What's my client going to think? And it's really interesting. How many decisions do you actually make for yourself? We don't. Wow. If I was to say, I'll put a percentage on it, you know, 90% of what we do is in that autopilot structure mm -hmm. of externalized being okay and doing the right thing in order for other people to accept or to view us in a certain way. And I always say to people, you know, we have this thing that we, we grow up with. We're being concerned about what other people think. But most of the time, we don't really know what anyone's thinking because they're thinking about themselves, thinking about what you're thinking about them. <laughs> and it's it's this huge circle of pleasure and pain that we go through, right? And alcohol is the same. We have this programmed mechanism where it's fun or it's pleasure, but then it's always linked back to a pain it always comes back. So really it's uncovering that pain point of going, right, well, who am I without this? And that's a lot of the problem where 
we've been so embedded and so ingrained in that certain behavior as an identity that when we start to remove these external values and come internally, it's literally like rewriting a whole new place to be. And sometimes if you're not given the right tools and the support, there's not enough there and you'll just go back to what you were doing because you don't know who you are without that. It almost, we're doing a full circle. So coming back to a night out with friends and you're sitting around the table and you've decided not to drink comes right back down to your value system and not actually worrying what someone else is thinking about. But how do we get there? It is really understanding your voice. And a lot of the time people don't use their voice because we've not taught to use our voice. But also too, you know, we justify and a lot of people will try and, you know, appease someone else because of their decision. And I'll always say to every single person, what your mental and metabolic health stands for you is not up for negotiation. So, you know, we can negotiate where you want to go for dinner. You can negotiate what you want to eat for dinner, but what's not up for negotiation is yourself and what you're choosing to do in relation to your mental and metabolic health. It's just not. (laughs) Exactly. And I think once you start realizing the impact it has and you're starting to feel better, you're mentally well, and rewards can come in in so many different forms, whether you perform better at work, whether it's financial, whether it's relationships, that's the driver, that's the positive feedback loop. Well, the thing is too, you know, the mind's a very process-driven, you know, mechanism that we have. And the more you understand it is a process. So whatever data you have been operating on up until whenever you realize that data is not useful, you're going to get the same evidence over and over and over. So your outcomes are going to be the same. So what I do is get people into that unknown space where we're creating new data in the form of thoughts, feelings, reactions, and new anchors, but the anchors are internal, not external. Then that creates new evidence, which gives you a new outcome. And the only way to do that is to also physiologically get that body into a state of a new feeling, which gives you evidence, especially when it comes to those cravings of emotional anchors of alcohol. But when the body is being fed and fueled and in a really ketosis state, you will feel like you've never felt before, which is the window that opens people to create that new data. Wow. So it's almost like exactly what you said from the start, like starting with nutrition. Yes. Funnily enough. I know, right? (laughs) To get you mentally feeling better. Hence. Yes. But also too, it's allowing the person the power to say, wow, look what I did by, you know, going through, you know, my priming and my protocol that allows people to understand the whys behind what they're doing, but then the body then starts to provide the new evidence. So they actually feel very quickly, there's something happening here. There's something changing. You can't just do that by talking about how not to stop drinking because people know how to stop drinking. You just stop, right? No. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. It's got to be in the body. We've got to get the body into a new state of being. It's so used to being in an anchored external state got to get it into a new way. Amazing. Amazing, Natalie. We so enjoyed that conversation. I think it's so valuable, incredibly valuable. And what's the first step people could take when they're even 
just listening to it, identifying mm. they got a problem. Yes, they know they have to look at nutrition. What's that first tiny step that can take? So really what I'd love them to do is just look at it from a value point and really maybe even write down, you know, what is the value here? Now, this is going to sound odd. There's going to be two parts of it. It's actually going to provide you a value, which is going to be an unconscious value based on your programming, but also to you've got to step back and go, right, what other value am I wanting to create in the relationship with myself? So that's really about where it starts to say, well, hold on, what is the value this is holding? And your mind will go external, but then come back and write down, what does this look like, sound like, feel like for me? If I actually came inward with my value instead of having the alcohol as the external anchor. Amazing, amazing tip to end on. Thank you so much, Natalie. Where can people no find you? On Instagram, so natalie.e.west or on my website, so natalieewest.com. And a little bit of an overview of all the things that I've done, but the best place for people to start is I've got like, let's start here, 30-minute free chat, let's jump on, and then we just go from there. Amazing. Thank you so much, Natalie. Thanks, Shami. Remember that this is general advice only. Please see your healthcare professional for more information. So what's your take home message today? Remember it's all about progress and not perfection. And are you suffering from stress? Visit the Usawa Learning Hub on usawa.com.au for more resources on how to de-stress, re-energize and reclaim your health. Enjoy the journey.